Alright, let's take our Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter number 1. I know how to get this thing on. Philippians chapter number 1. I have some bad news. Um, one, I can't get this thing on. Um, we were swimming, uh, jumping off rocks over in Prineville, and uh, I lost my Apple Watch. Um, so I don't know what time it is. Uh, somehow it slipped off when I hit the water. Um, but I, I won't be long, I, I promise. But, you know, you n- never trust a preacher when he says I won't be long. Uh, there was this one, one guy, and um, he was going through his attic, uh, an older guy, and um, going through his attic, looking at, at uh, some boxes, opening them up, seeing what he had over the years. And he opened this one box, and there was a, uh, a genie lamp. And so, obviously, he rubbed it to see what would happen. And a genie pops out. And um, the genie says, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm short on time. I can only give you one wish. I don't have three wishes like normal. Um, so what would you like uh, me to do? And, and the man says, well, there's this one thing. Uh, my, my wife and I have always loved traveling. And uh, we've always wanted to go to Europe, but she doesn't like flying. And uh, boating's not an option. So is there a, a way that you could build a bridge from North America to Europe so we could drive across the Atlantic Ocean? And the genie says, wow, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty big wish. Is there anything else that you could do? And um, the man thinks a little bit and he says, there is one thing. At my church, uh, the preacher, he's, he's a great preacher, don't get me wrong, but he can be kind of long-winded. And uh, sometimes it'll be 12.15, you know, 12.30, sometimes even 12.45 before we get out of church. Is there a way that you can make him stop at 12 o'clock every Sunday morning? The genie thinks for a while and says, that bridge, would you like it two lanes or four lanes? <laughs> so I, 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 won't, I won't take you to 12.45. I just noticed that we have a clock there, so I don't, I don't have an excuse anymore. Uh, but Philippians chapter number 1. Verse number six, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, uh, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you uh, for the privilege of, of being here, Lord, and just for the opportunity to meet one more time in your house. And uh, no place I'd rather be this morning than in the house of God. Lord, I pray you can just touch the service. Uh, help me as I preach, Lord, get me out of the way and, uh, Lord, help someone to get something from your word this morning. We'll thank you for all you do in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. There are a few things that stuck out to me real quick, um, out of this verse. Uh, the first thing that you can be confident, um, there's, there's the good work that God has begun. And then the day of Jesus Christ. And in, in the middle of this introduction, uh, Paul is writing to the people at Philippi in the middle of his introduction in his letter. He wants them to know that they can be confident in God. He wants them to make sure that they know they can be confident in the Lord. And at the beginning, he wants them to know of the confidence. But who is Paul really talking to? Who is Paul writing to in this story? We know he's writing to the church at Philippi, uh, but he doesn't just say the church of Philippi. Look at verse number one. He says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. Paul lets us know exactly who he's talking about. He's talking to the saints in Philippi. Therefore, we can conclude these are people that they have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are saved people. 
And they can be confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that brings me to my first point, the commencement of the work. I want to, I want to uh, preach a little while on the confidence in God. There's the commencement that begins in the work. Paul says that God has already started a work in them because he's living inside of them. And nothing else that I say this morning or nothing else in this verse is going to apply to you if you haven't had that work started in you. If you hadn't trusted in Christ as your Savior, there there must first be a beginning to your walk with God if you want to be confident like Paul was. If you haven't had that work started in you, You can be confident that it's not going to end well unless you get that fixed and get that changed. First off, in in the beginning, there will be a conviction. There will be conviction when you get saved. You can't know you're a sinner and that you need someone to save you and that God's the only one who can save you unless he tells you that or someone tells you that. How many people would not have gotten saved if the Lord hadn't drawn them? I say none. Because God, Jesus himself says, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. But the reality is, God draws everyone. God doesn't pick and choose who he wants to draw. He draws everyone. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And God can draw someone even with just his creation even with just nature outside. And that's why the world has come up with so many ways to take God out of his creation so that we cannot see that God is the one who made it. There will be conviction in the beginning. And if you have never had the conviction of God in your heart, especially after salvation, you might want to get that salvation checked out because there will be conviction, especially after you get saved. Not only will there be conviction, but there will be a calling. The drawing is God's part. The conviction is God's part. And he draws everyone. But then comes our job to respond to that drawing. And you do have a choice. Everyone has a choice. Uh, I would tell a Calvinist joke right here, but it's not for everyone. It's, it's, it's not the way that they believe. You do have a choice. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just because you know some things about God does not make you saved. Just because you understand the whole Bible, and I doubt that you do, um, does not make you saved. There must come a time in your life when you call out to the one who died for you for the help that only he can give. And if you've never done that, you're not saved. That's It's black and white. There's no gray area with God. Salvation doesn't happen through osmosis. If you read enough Bible, go to church enough, if you pray enough, if you some, somehow uh, the blood of Jesus Christ is going to uh, come and cover all your sins. That's not how it works. There must be a time when you've bowed your heart to an almighty God in repentance of your sin. And I'm not saying that it has to be an audible prayer. I'm not even saying that you need to remember what you said. This isn't a mind thing. This is a heart thing. Your mind can know all it wants, but until the heart gets involved, you'll just be a smart religious sinner. And I've heard this, the longest distance is, is from the heart or from the head to the heart. And that's how it was with me growing up. Um, I, I believe it's, it's a little bit difficult for some kids as they grow up in church because they know it all. They, they've been to Sunday school and that's how it was with me. Um, I, I could answer all the questions. I could probably lead someone to the Lord, uh, without even being saved just because I knew it all. I, I knew all the Bible verses that we, that we memorized in Sunday school. I knew all the stories. 
I was, uh, I always strive to be the best in, in Sunday school. I'd, I'd get all the prizes. I'd, I'd win all the things, but it was just head knowledge. It was all in my head and I hadn't believed it for myself. And, uh, there was a man, uh, a preacher who preached on blind Bartimaeus, how his eyes were opened yet he had not believed on the Lord until later in the story. And that really spoke to me about how I knew it. I saw it. I, I understood it, but I hadn't believed it in my heart. And until I made that change, I was just a smart sinner. There must be a call. You must call upon the Lord. There'll be conviction. There'll be a calling. But after the calling, there'll be a change. There's never a time that God does not change someone when he moves inside. Paul says that God has started a good work in you. This means that if you're saved, there will be someone on the inside changing who you are, what you do, where you go, who you hang out with, what you look at, what you put in your body. Everything in your life will start to change. Paul says that uh, we are a new creature. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new creature when you're born again, and you're not the same as you were. So why on earth would you act the same? Why would you talk the same? Why would you go to the same places? Why would you do the same things after the Lord is working inside? I heard an illustration of a girl um, that uh, she was kind of confused about the whole aspect of, of salvation. And, and she come up to her pastor and asked, you mean to tell me that when I get saved, God comes and lives inside of my heart? And he says, yes, that's what we believe. When, when you call upon the Lord, he comes and lives inside you and uh, starts to work in your life. And she kind of still had a puzzled look on her face. And he, and he asked, is there anything wrong with that? And she says, no. But if someone as big as God is living in someone as small as me, I reckon he ought to stick out all over the place. <laughs> and that's the reality. You have God living inside of you. And if someone as big as God is living inside, people are going to see it. People are going to notice something different. God's going to pop out every now and again. And the work is started in us. We can be confident that this is not the end. There will be a change and God will change us. We sing a song uh, with the kids. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. I I could sing the whole song, but I won't for you. Um, But you know what? He's still working on you. That may be a kid's song. But the, the principle is for older people too. No matter how old you are, he's still working on you. And he'll keep working on you till the day of Jesus Christ. Which brings me to my second point. First off, you see the com- commencement of the work. But second off, you see the continuing of the work. He won't stop until he's done. And he won't be done until he comes and gets his bride. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work on you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can I say that he's not done with you yet? Even when you've given up on yourself, he's still performing his work in you. Uh, I heard another illustration of uh, of a man who was doing an ice sculpture. How many of you have ever seen an ice sculpture? I believe it's a waste of time because it's because it's ice um, and one day it will no longer be ice it'll be water and it won't be a water sculpture it'll be a water puddle but um, that's that's their deal but the things they do with it is incredible How, the, the sculptures that they can carve out of ice is is incredible to me and there was a man who was watching an ice sculpture and uh, he asked the man what are you what are you making and he says I'm, I'm making an elephant and he says how do you make a block of ice look like an elephant and the ice sculptor replied, well, I simply chip away everything that doesn't look like an elephant. 
And that's what the Lord is doing us. The goal is Jesus Christ. Every day he's making us more like Jesus Christ. And everything that does not look like Jesus Christ in our lives, God begins to chip away to make us look more like his son. First off, I want to look at the length of the continuing. There are two times that Paul uses the word until in these couple verses. And both times it it has a different meaning to what Paul is saying. Look at verse number four. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. From the first day until now. Paul is letting the Philippians know that since the first day, God has brought them all the way till this day. He's been working every single day until now. And God has already brought you this far. And we can be confident that because he's taken us this far, he can take us all the way until the day of Jesus Christ. But then we can, we can be confident that God will take us all the way. But then Paul uses another until in verse number six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if my mind is is messed up or, or whatever it, it probably is, but I, I always read that verse as he will perform it at the day of Jesus Christ. And that there will be a time where God performs the work and when we get into heaven, we will be like Jesus Christ. But that's not what Paul says. He says, until the day of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's not it's not at, it's until. Until means up to the time that or when, onward to or till a specific time or occurrence. In other words, God isn't going to perform the work. He's already performed the work today. And when we get to tomorrow, he will perform the work tomorrow. When we get to the next day, he will perform the work the next day until the day of Jesus Christ. It's a continuing motion. Every day, he will perform his work in that day. So all a Christian need to do is take it a day at a time. Yesterday's gone. He performed the work yesterday. We'll take today as it is. Tomorrow, he'll have performed the work today, and we can take tomorrow as it is. That's the length. And one day, that work will all be over, and that is the day of Jesus Christ. You only have to focus on tomorrow when today is over. That's the length of his work. It just continues on. It keeps going until the end. But then I I see the long suffering of his work. First off, I see that he works through our failures. Just because you fell doesn't mean he's done with you. The verse doesn't say that he'll perform the work if you don't fall. If if it said that, none of us would be sitting here today in the work of God. None of us would be used of him because God doesn't throw the clay away. He may correct it when it starts to fall, but he doesn't throw it away. And you may think that you're useless, uh, but you don't see what God sees. You don't know what he knows and you can't see his plan and his purpose for your life. You may feel like you keep failing. You, you just keep falling. You just keep messing up and giving into the flesh or, or uh, not trusting him the way you should. But can I say you can get back up again? Proverbs 24, 16 says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. I'm not saying that you simply need to forget about fighting, but you do need to forget about the failures that you've had. The fool focuses on the fall, but the just man focuses on getting back up again. And it's not that the just man isn't grieved by the fall. He just doesn't, not that he doesn't regret the fall, but he doesn't dwell there. He doesn't stay there. He doesn't wallow in his failures. And John tells us in his epistle, 
that we can be fa- that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He continues the work even through our failures. You don't have to dwell in the past and stay in the past. You can move forward in today. Not only does he continue the work through our failures, but he also continues the work through our fears. Paul says here that we can be confident that God will perform the work. But I'm glad that even when we're not confident, he still comes through. Even through all my fears and all my worries, when I, when I don't truly trust that God can work through the circumstances in my life, God still shows himself faithful. When Peter feared the waves, all he knew to do was to call out to the master of the sea. And immediately, Jesus was there with his hand to pull up Peter. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with some decisions in your life and you can't help but worry about what will happen. And all you know to do is to call upon the Lord. Can I say that he will perform the work even when you don't trust him? Even through the hardest times in life, God is still working through it all. And why is that? Why can we be so confident in the Lord? Why is it that, that when we fall, he's there? When we fail, he's there? When we fear, he's there? Why can we be so confident? I was thinking about this and just contemplating why. And the, the best answer I could come up with is because he's faithful. Amen. Yeah. He's faithful when we're not, and we better be glad that he is. Because if, if he was only faithful when I was, I know I could not be confident in him like I can be. He's faithful when I'm not. He's faithful when I don't think he is. His faithfulness, his faithfulness is not based on my perception of his faithfulness. Yeah. It's not based on your perception either. Just because we don't think he's faithful doesn't mean he's not faithful. Because he is. If you fall or fail or fear him today, just remember that his mercies are new every morning and you can trust that he will perform his work in spite of you. His performance is not based on your performance. If it was, we'd all be in a mess today. He is faithful and just uh, he is faithful to perform his work. And I know you're not going to believe it, but I'm almost done. That brings me to my last point, the completion of the work. We see the commencement, the beginning, the continuing, and then the completion of the work. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he won't stop until he's finished. He's not going to get to the end and realize that there was a whole lot more work to do. And he's not going to get to the end and just give up on you before the end. We have an assurance that it is going to happen. No matter what you go through, no matter what you face, no matter how many failures you have, no matter how many times you stumble, how many times you messed up, how many times you doubted him, how many times you cried out in fear, God is going to finish the work that he started in the beginning. And there will be an accomplishing at the end. One day this will all be over, and what a day that will be. One day I'm going to see the one who started the work in me. I will be like Jesus Christ. All those things that didn't look like Jesus Christ will be chipped away. I will be a finished product of his work. I'll never fall again. I'll never grieve him again. I'll never have another fear, another tear, another heartache, another pain, another loss. I'll be clothed in his righteousness in the presence of the almighty God forever and ever. And the knowledge that he has of me is the knowledge that I'm going to have of him. The way he knows me is the way that I'm going to know him. All the questions I have right now will be answered at that day. So why is Paul telling us this? Why is he telling us that it doesn't matter what we do? Because God will just work it out. 
I say no. Is he telling us that we can just give up and do whatever we want and let God fix it all in the end? That's not what he's telling us to do. He's telling us that we can keep on keeping on and that we can run the race that is set before us. He's not telling us to resign from the fight. He's not telling us to stop fighting, stop pressing on, because he says, I press toward the mark. When he's, when he's talking about his departing, he says that he fought a good fight. Paul's not telling us to stop fighting. He's letting us know that we can keep fighting and that we can fight with victory. Because we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from the victory that Jesus Christ gives us in his son. Paul isn't telling us to resign from the fight. He's telling us to rely on the Father. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The only way that we can run the race and lay aside the weights that doth so easily beset us is to look to Jesus. That's the only way that we can finish the race. And so what, you know what you need? You need more Jesus. Tomorrow, you're going to need more Jesus. Next week, you're going to need more Jesus. In whatever you're going through, you just need more Jesus. David puts it this way in Psalm 65, 5. He says, O God, our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth. Jesus is our confidence. The reason we can be confident in in him is because there is no confidence outside of Jesus. There is no confidence in except in Jesus. He's the only one who will never let you down. He's the only one who you can truly depend on. He's the only one that has never broken a promise. He's the only one who has, who can have full confidence in. Hey, brother, hey, sister, God's not done yet. He's still working. He's still molding. He's still chipping away. He's still making you look like his son. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You can be confident that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's the confidence that you can have in God. As my family comes up, I invite you this morning. Uh, maybe you haven't had that work started in you yet. Maybe, maybe God hasn't begun the work in you. Can I say that today would be a good day to get that work started? Today would be a good day to repent of your sins. If God's calling you, if God is convicting you, you can respond to that call. You can give your heart to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're in the middle and, and you feel like you've had too many failures. You feel like you've, you've fallen too many times. Or maybe you, you fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. Can I say that you can have confidence in Jesus Christ, that he will perform the work in spite of all those things that you're going through, in spite of all the failures you've had. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to dwell in your failures. You can come to Jesus Christ. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come to God. And maybe you just, you just don't know what's going to happen in the future, but no matter what happens tomorrow, there will come a day that God will complete the work He will come and get his bride, and what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but maybe you'd like to come and just remember about the confidence that we can have in Jesus Christ.